Welcome to Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast in no way associated with NPR, brought to you in no part by the following parody sponsors. The Trump University Republican School of Infrastructure, where funding bridge repair hurts the deficit because... Never mind, the bridge collapsed. The Republican Foundation for Not Considering Broadband Infrastructure is... is, is at and the libertarian notion of private roads the only thing more non-existent than libertarians i am dave and i am molly and our voices lack in volume with the republican infrastructure plan lacks in infrastructure and planning our top story this week Following the electoral defeat of former president and criminal pumpkin donald trump the republican party went completely batshit crazy The election was stolen by Joe Biden using communist voting machines invented by Hugo Chavez to secretly turn America into communist China because black lives matter. Trump is secretly still president because America secretly became a corporation in the 1860s and Trump bought America back and is therefore president of the Corporation of America, which makes America the world's first nation state slash Trump owned luxury golf resort. The election was stolen by a Spanish company using a server in Germany that the American military recovered. But then the CIA killed the soldiers that recovered the Spanish, but also German, server. All of these are almost verbatim actual conspiracy theories that actual Republican leaders have actually repeated. And while determining which conspiracy theory is the most ridiculous is like calling an absurd horse race. And they're off. And boast of Hugo Chavez is off to a strong start. America is a secret corporation is gaining ground in the ahistorical absurdity lane. But what's this? The logistical implausibility of a Spanish company operating out of Germany to steal an American election has surprised everybody by being less crazy but more impractical than America is a secret corporation. But Ghost of Hugo Chavez is ultimately based on a Venezuelan ghost caring about an American election. A Ghost of Hugo Chavez wins in a photo finish that has already been declared photoshopped on parlay. It seems that the Spanish company German server CIA murdered American soldiers conspiracy theory has become the most relevant. That's because six months after President Biden won the election, Arizona's Republican-controlled state legislature has decided to hire Doug Logan, a prominent proponent of the Spanish-German CIA voting change server conspiracy, to do an audit-type thing on the Arizona election. I may not be able to prove the very real reality that a Spanish company used a German server to change American votes because the CIA is covering it up so nobody knows about it, except that somehow I know about it. This guy seems credible. But I can prove that the results in Arizona were fraudulent using a secret counting method that involves using an ultraviolet light. That sounds completely reasonable. How does it work? I can't tell you. It's a trade secret that would compromise my business model. That makes sense. You're just going to audit our system using an ultraviolet light for no apparent reason and then tell us your conclusion based on the secret system that involves an ultraviolet light and will just accept whatever you say, even if it contradicts the results of multiple audits that have been completely transparent in their accounting. 
Yep, that's my business model. Sounds perfectly reasonable. Here's $17,000 in taxpayer money and free access to an enormous sporting arena. And obviously no members of the media or anyone else for that matter will be allowed to observe what you're doing. Excellent. Obviously I'm going to need a lot more money than that, but don't worry. I have secret donors. Well, as long as their identities and interests remain a secret, that's fine by us. Republicans in the state of Arizona hired Logan's company, which is actually called Cyber Ninjas. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Do you want to protect yourself from cyber crimes while also misappropriating a secret society of badasses? Most famous for being even more secretive and less transparent than their enemies? Cyber Ninja's website actually features a cheesy image of a cheap Halloween costume ninja on their homepage. Are you bad at assessing the difference between actual security and a much greater threat in the guise of security? And of course, Cyber Ninja has zero experience in election auditing. Does the idea that a failed president would lose a referendum election make less sense to you than the idea that a Spanish company secretly controls a German server that secretly controls the American presidential election? I answered yes to every one of those questions. Then Cyber Ninjas is the perfect, not really an election auditing company, to not really audit your elections. And so, without any real training, Cyber Ninja's employees are recounting the Arizona presidential election results using an unexplained system that involves holding the ballots up to an ultraviolet light. Okay, okay, so you hold the ballot up to the light, like that. Uh-huh. And what am I looking for? You see that right there? No. Exactly! That's an invalid ballot. Oh, I get it! So I hold the ballot to the light, and then nothing, and then this is an invalid ballot. No, because that ballot voted for Trump, so it's valid. Oh, oh, I get it. So I hold the ballot up to the light, and then nothing, and then Trump wins. I know that it seems like hyperbole, but the fact is that Cyber Ninja refuses to explain their purpose for exposing ballots to ultraviolet light. The ballot's manufacturer has confirmed that there are no watermarks or other markings that could be found via ultraviolet light, and all independent experts agree that ultraviolet light serves no purpose in authenticating ballots. I'm not going to reveal my trade secrets that explain my secret method for counting ballots because business practices and also ninja stuff. Yeah, business practices and ninja stuff, which of course is opposed by the anti-business ninja-hating left. Yeah, we use a secret counting method that keeps real Americans safe from the liberal communist ninja-hating sequential one, two, three, four method. You know, where three comes in between two and four, China. Cyber ninjas, Trump won, and throwing stars are cool. And that's all anybody needs to know. Last month, the Supreme Court decided in the case of Jones v. Mississippi that states have discretionary ability to hold juvenile offenders to life sentences without parole. In other words, they're leaving it up to places like Mississippi to decide if they want to put teenagers in jail forever. What could possibly go wrong? Asked zero black people. 
The irony of this decision is that one of the justices who voted to uphold Brett Jones' life sentence without parole was Kermit the Frog impersonating rapist Brett Kavanaugh, who once said, If we want to sit here and talk about whether a Supreme Court nomination should be based on a high school yearbook page, I think that's taken us to a new level of absurdity. And if you think we're talking about a yearbook page, and not that you're accused of trying to rape a woman, I think that's taken us to a new level of absurdity. No! It says on my calendar that I was just a teenager, and you're trying to punish me as an adult for what I did when I was a teenager. That isn't fair. I'm an adult! So according to Kavanaugh, teenage children shouldn't be held accountable for their actions. But also, some of them should be put in prison forever. For more on this, we go to our Supreme Court correspondent, Amy Couscourier. At the core of the issue in Jones v. Mississippi is the question of incorrigibility, which it turns out is a legal term and not just something nuns say to Catholic schoolchildren. Patrick Seamus O'Shaughnessy, you pull up your pants this minute. You're incorrigible. Incorrigibility means incapable of being reformed, and a series of court rulings over the past 20 years became an important component of teen sentencing, starting with Roper v. Simmons. A death sentence for a teenager? That's a bit much. Then Graham v. Florida. Life imprisonment for a teenager? For a crime other than murder? That's a bit much. Then Miller v. Alabama. Mandatory sentences of life without parole for a teenager? Not even a chance at making a case for parole? That's a bit much. I mean, unless the kid is obviously incorrigible, which they should have to prove. Then... Montgomery v. Louisiana. That last decision should apply retroactively. So if you were previously sentenced to life without parole as a teenager, you should get a hearing to see if maybe you're not a teenager anymore. The result, until last week, was that if a teenager was not deemed incorrigible, then even in cases of murder, at some point they had to be given a chance at parole. And in cases of attempted rape, they have to be given a chance at being a Supreme Court justice. I'll get to you in a moment, Brett. Sit down and drink your beer. I like beer. Incorrigibility usually means multiple instances of criminal behavior. And it's important because as this expert in developmental science will attest, the teenage brain is far from fully matured. Mm, teenage brains ain't done cooking yet. And so they act real dumb. What if I put this bottle rocket in my butt? Which brings us to the defendant in this case, Brett Jones, who did not have a pattern of incorrigibility. What he did was not part of a pattern of criminal behavior, but rather the culmination of a tragic story. Hi, I'm Brett Jones. My biological father was an alcoholic who abused my mama, and then she married my stepfather who beat me and told me he hated me. Then later I moved in with my grandpa who also abused me. I was having mental health issues and couldn't get my meds anymore. And then when I was 15, grandpa tried to hit me and I stabbed him and he died. In spite of the fact that you're a teenager and an abuse victim having a mental health crisis and you've only killed one person, 
arguably in self-defense. I sentence you to life without parole. And while Brett Jones is white, there's little doubt that at some point this precedent will open the doors for an even more extreme lack of leniency for black and brown teenagers. Ha! I'm a fictional black teenager who was smoking weed and flicked the butt onto the ground where it accidentally landed on some spilled gasoline and blew up a car and the driver almost died. In spite of the fact that you're a teenager and you didn't actually kill anyone and it was an accident and you have no criminal record, I sentence you to life without parole. And I really wish the death sentence was on the table. Do I get to talk yet? I'm all out of beer. I like beer. And yes, this brings us to Brett Kavanaugh. Why are you reversing previous court precedent on leniency for juvenile offenders when you requested leniency for your own juvenile offenses? When I was a teenager with my buddies Judge and Squee and Gobro and David Broey and Michael Bro, you brought ashore. Get on with it. We'd drink beer and I'd put it on my calendar and it'd say on my calendar, go out for skis, which is brewskis, which is beer, because I like beer. And so did Judge and Squee and Skip Bro and Little Bro Peep. Get to the point. And sure, when we chug all those skis, we do dumb things because we're teenagers. But we never murdered anybody because I didn't put murder somebody on my calendar. And neither did Judge or Squee or Bro Gabba Gabba or Bro Sole Mio or a bros by any other name. It sounds like your point is that because your blackout drunk teenage self never went as far as murdering anybody, at least to the best of your knowledge. You believe that a teenager who commits murder might be incapable of reform and doesn't necessarily deserve an opportunity to even argue for a chance at parole. No! My point is I'm special! I'm special and you're mean and I deserve to get to say who has to be in prison forever because I'm special! And special boys get whatever they want! And what I want is... Brett Michael Kavanaugh, you pell up your pants this minute. You are incorrigible. And a little bitch. And timing. The Democratic-controlled House of Representatives passed a bill that would grant Washington, D.C. statehood. However, the bill which would grant D.C. citizens the same basic representation as all other American citizens will almost certainly die in the Senate due to the Republican made-up objections. You can't just add a state. That's unconstitutional. Yeah, the Constitution was ratified by nine of the 13 states, which is all of the states. I mean, sure, there's 50 states now, but that's just different because... Because Washington, D.C. was specifically established to not be a state. Because mm -hmm. if the capital was a state, then the capital would have too much power. So by not giving the capital any power, it creates a balance of power. Yeah, because the states are different from the federal. So if the federal was the same thing as a state, then the federal would be a state. And that's bad. The Republican inability to argue the unconstitutionality of the constitutionally prescribed process of adding new states. It was Thomas Jefferson who famously said, but please don't check, and I quote, 13 is not a lot, so 37 more seems reasonable, but 38 more is anarchy. 
has actually led to some Republicans being dangerously honest about why they object to D.C. statehood. Well, Washington, D.C. is overwhelmingly Democratic. And it would be unfair to replace the unfair advantage we have by unfairly disenfranchising 5 million people by allowing them to vote. Allowing Democrats who currently don't have representation to suddenly have representation would mean more Democratic representatives. In other words, they shouldn't be allowed to vote because they don't vote how we want them to vote. For more on the history of Washington, D.C., Barely Audible Whisper turns to our own Harvard history professor, so pretentious he insists on being called Dr. Professor. The capital city of the newly founded American Republic was originally located in New York City, because even at its inception, New Yorkers were arrogant and obnoxious. New York is the greatest city in the world, forget about it. Or as they would have phrased it in the 18th century, the superiority of the metropolis of New York to that of all other metropolises being self-evident, I should therefore advise you to cease contemplating the matter. However, the location of America's capital city inside an American state caused irrational consternation among the other states. While it doesn't reckon that the capital city of the country is located inside of a state, then the, 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 the state might become a super state that's more powerful than the other states. And then that super state could just dominate the, the, the not so super states. This mistrust of federal authority was to some degree understandable given that a unified government of individual states had never been attempted before. Let me, let me, let me get this straight. We're going to be one country, but we're also going to be independent states. So the states will be separate, but also together. Then how is it that we can trust that the bigger states won't be unfair to them, them, them little, uh, them, to them other states? Forget about it. However, this schism between federal and state authority also has its origins in hypocrisy. Well, I reckon if we don't join a nation founded on liberty against tyranny, but we also impose the tyranny of slavery, then the tyrants of the other states will impose their tyranny on us and tyrannically force us to give up our tyranny, which violates our liberty to impose tyranny. In other words, states rights. And as this paranoid notion of a weak federal government failed to create a federal government strong enough to survive, the Constitution was created to strengthen the federal government whilst also remaining true to the principles of individual liberty. Except for black folks. And women. And the poor. On which our country was founded. So let me get this straight. You recognize the need for a stronger federal government, but you oppose the Constitution because you oppose creating a strong federal government while creating a strong federal government? Mm-hmm. Yep, that is correct. But you'll ratify the Constitution that creates the stronger federal government, provided that we include an insanely complicated system for electing a president and move to the capital. Uh, to an as-of-yet undeveloped city closer to the Mason-Dixon line? 
That is also correct. Mm-hmm. Forget about it! And so Washington, D.C. was established as the nation's capital, but as the as-of-yet undeveloped city inevitably began to develop, the inevitable consequence of its inevitable development was that it became the home to residents who inevitably had to live in a district whose lack of statehood inevitably created a lack of representation. So remember how we fought that whole revolutionary war over the principle of no taxation without representation? USA! USA! Well, currently, I'm being taxed without representation. Yeah, but that's because the whole tyranny against my liberty to impose tyranny thing, so... I get your point, but we needed a short-term compromise to ensure long-term success. So I have to stand by the unintended negative long-term consequences. What are you saying? Forget about it! And so the issue remained largely forgot about until Democrats realized... Hey, most of the citizens who we've denied the right of equal representation would vote for us to represent them if we let them have their basic rights to representation. Well, then we should all of a sudden focus very intently on this issue. But what about the whole tyranny against the liberty to impose tyranny deal? You mean slavery? Oh, shit. I walked right into that one. But what about, I mean, it isn't fair because would you believe 51 stars is too many? The German women's national gymnastic team gained attention at the European Artistic Gymnastic Championships by covering their legs with a full-length unitard. It was to set an example to our gymnasts who may feel uncomfortable or even sexualized in normal suits. Every gymnast should be able to decide in which type of suit she feels most comfortable. This brings us to our newest segment. I dare you to have a problem with this. Hello, I'm Issa Minefield, and this is I Dare You to Have a Problem with This. Today, we're taking calls from people who have a problem with German teenage gymnasts choosing to cover their legs in competition. And we have our first caller. Hi, I just want to say this ruins the Olympics for me, and I probably won't be. I'm sorry, caller. Before you finish your point, would you please give us your name and where you're calling from? Uh, no. I'd like to remind our listeners that you must be willing to state your name. This isn't Twitter. Next caller. Hi, this is Manny Splain. I'm from Portland. Portland, Maine, by the way, you probably just assumed Portland, Oregon. (sighs) Anyway, I don't have a problem with it per se. I just think, you know, their loss, obviously wearing more clothes will affect their performance. It's not about sexualization. It's about wind resistance, but everybody wants to get all up in arms. It's ridiculous. Okay, you done? I think so. Why do you think the male gymnasts wear unitards to cover their legs? If bare legs are better for performance, wouldn't they wear tight briefs? Ew! Here's a general rule. If uniforms are significantly more revealing for women than men, it's about sex, not performance. Next caller. Hi, uh, this is NBC Nielsen. I'm from New York. And uh, I have a problem with this. We can't afford anything that hurts the ratings for the Olympics. And... People tune in to women's gymnastics for all kinds of reasons. Performance, uh, drama, fashion. Teenage um, girls with their butts hanging out. It 
may be a small number, but we operate on tight margins. What's next? Beach volleyball and shorts and a tank top? Again, like the men wear? Listen, honey, I I've been in this business for 30 years and you know- If you're in a business that requires catering to pedophiles so that you can attract advertisers, you need to find a new business. And if you're calling a woman you don't know Honey, you better be a gay southerner bartender. Who else wants some next caller? Hi, I'm Rod Dickel from Toledo, Ohio. Gloria Steinem's hometown represents. And before you bash what I have to say, you should know that I am a big time feminist. I always tell people, I'm not just progressive, I'm radical. R radical. Radical, get it? Whenever you're done patting yourself on the back and ruining your own jokes by explaining them, what's your point? Feminism is about empowerment, and I think we should be more about encouraging young women to embrace their sexuality. I mean, what are we telling these German girls? You should hide your legs because some gross men might fantasize about them, but that gives the power back to the men. And don't they have enough power? We are telling these German girls that they are empowered to make their own decisions about what to wear. Were you even listening to the German gymnast? Your argument has no basis in reality and reveals that you are, at best, tuning out women who speak for themselves. Or, more likely, you are a wolf in sheep's clothing trying to use the language of feminism to encourage young women to wear less clothes to achieve your own sick sexual gratification. Now, shut up and get off of my airwaves. All right, who else? Come on, anybody. I feast on your disgusting, weak arguments. Feed me. Uh, hi. I'm Tim Hidmouse. I don't disagree with anything you're saying. Um, I think you're great. I just really appreciate everything, every word that comes out of your mouth. Keep it up. Well, it sounds like I have accomplished the submission I crave. Until next time, this has been I Dare You to Have a Problem with This. I'm Issa Minefield. During President Biden's first address to a joint session of Congress, Texas Senator and Wolfman of Austerity Ted Cruz was caught by cameras falling asleep. Uh -huh. I fell asleep. The house chamber is so boring when there's not a spear-wielding, shirtless, schizophrenic in face paint and a Viking helmet smearing feces on the wall. As part of Cruz's ongoing effort to try to be a part of the joke that is actually on him. Hey, it's great to be here, although it's not as nice as Cancun. Ba-bump-bump. <laughs> Rim shot. But seriously, folks, what's the deal with my beard? I look like what happens when you plug an electric razor into Texas's power grid. hey -o. Waka waka. Get her done. Cruz tweeted an image of himself falling asleep during Biden's speech with the caption, Hashtag boring but terrifying. Is this thing on? The moniker, boring but terrifying, has been adopted by right-wing media and disingenuous Republican politicians to describe President Biden, despite the fact that boredom and terror are by definition not compatible. Judge Shanine Pierrot here! Joe Biden is a terrifying, socialist, 
hellbent on destroying the very fabric of American society, which is boring. Who cares? We should all care because America as we know it will not survive the insane leftist tyranny, but also it's very boring and I'm falling asleep thinking about it. Or maybe I'm just drunk, but probably both. <laughs> oh, 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 I fell asleep because I'm so filled with raw fear that I don't see the need to pay much attention. With that in mind, Barely Audible Whisper presents Boring Horror Theater. <laughs> I'm the Crypt Keeper, a terrifying image of a laughing skeleton. But realistically, I've been dead for a very long time, so I clearly pose no threat. Ow! In the distance, a terrifying wolfman howls at the... Oh, never mind, it's just Ted Cruz. I hate cancel culture so much that I'm going to boycott every company that boycotts stuff to prove that boycotting stuff should be boycotted. The howling nonsense of the wolfman is noticed by the typical horror genre vapid teenage victim. Oh my god, like that logic is so circular, it's maddening. I have to get away. Or I could just not think about it. Politics is boring. This is stupid, but also like, I'm really scared. Don't worry, I'll save you. Oh, thank God. Uh, a handsome man who can fight off the scary wolf man or change the subject to something less boring. <laughs> I'm Beta O'Rourke, Wolfman Cruz's arch enemy. I counteract his horrifying policy positions with progressive solutions that sound less ideological and scary to moderates because I talk about them with the cadence of a frat boy. OMG, um, this handsome guy is also boring. Oh. I am scared. Like, I better run directly towards the danger because, like, I'm stupid and, like, a one-dimensional teenage girl. <laughs> Ronald Reagan once said that the scariest words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Bazinga. Um, oh, that's so boring and not funny and inaccurate. Like, save me, Beto. It's totally going to be okay because the government through reasonable policies and the hard work and willingness of hardworking people to work hard. Oh my God, he's equally as boring. I'm going to run blindly into, like, a Florida swamp. Hey, hot, dumb teenager. I'm Florida Representative Matt Gates. No, don't get sucked into the evil vortex of his forehead. Ow! And the truly terrifying yet predictably boring thing is that I will ignore Matt Gates entirely while trying to claim the moral high ground by screaming about a penisless potato. 
Why is everybody asleep? I'm doing comedy up here. That's why. Former President Trump's former personal attorney and living proof that lying causes human eyeballs to bulge even bigger than a penis being fake seduced by Sasha Baron Cohen's co-star, Rudy Giuliani, had his apartment raided by the FBI as part of a search warrant related to an investigation into his corrupt dealings with Russian agents in Ukraine. Or as Giuliani tells it, This is an unlawful and corrupt political investigation for the unlawful and corrupt political investigation against Hunter Biden that I unlawfully and corruptly investigated. Reporting indicates that during the raid into Giuliani's home, This collection of evidence that does exist regarding my attempt to find evidence that doesn't exist is a violation of my right to claim evidence without evidence while also protecting the evidence of my fake evidence from becoming real evidence. Giuliani offered the FBI that were executing a search warrant on his home a bunch of crap about Hunter Biden, who is not being investigated. Mr. Giuliani, we have a warrant to search your apartment. Is this about Hunter Biden? Only in that it's an investigation into your potentially illegal efforts to smear him. Speak up! I have a hearing condition where I only hear what I want to hear. We're investigating your- I don't want to hear that! I have proof that Hunter Biden did a bunch of illegal stuff, and I want to hear myself showing it to you! This is just a piece of paper with the name Hunter Biden and an arrow pointing to the words illegal stuff. And as if that wasn't enough, it's also written on Justice Department stationery and notarized with a big brown stamp. It's written on a Justice League movie poster that appears to be stained with a sweated out blob of cheap hair dye. I risked my case. Meanwhile, Giuliani claims that because he is former President Trump's former personal attorney, the evidence seized from his home should be protected by attorney-client privilege. As a white guy with white privilege, who is also a rich guy with rich guy privilege, and a politically connected guy with politically connected guy privilege, it is my privilege to assert the most privileged of all privileges, the privilege of a privileged attorney to protect the privilege of his privileged client who is privileged to be even more privileged. While the law does protect the confidentiality of an attorney-client relationship, the law also makes it clear that the attorney cannot abuse the privilege by conspiring to break the law with their clients. Criminal exceptions to attorney-client privilege, which allow law enforcement to use communications between a client and their attorney as evidence of a criminal conspiracy, have their origins in an old mafia trick whereby they would plan their crimes in the presence of their lawyers so that the planning of the crimes would be protected by attorney-client privilege. It's a Sicilian message. Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. Whereas sleeps in accordance with section dead fish subsection wearing Luca Brasi's vest as per Sicilian messaging may be interpreted as but shall not be limited to any and all interpretations of said Luca Brasi as potentially represented by said dead fish, which may be deemed as the untimely death thereof, which heretofore shall not be considered murder in accordance with the jurisprudential principle whereby it doesn't count if a lawyer was in the room. 
Fortunately, the Justice Department has a well-established procedure for sifting through evidence obtained from the seizure of an attorney's records, whereby an independent team of legal experts independently examines each piece of evidence to determine what does and does not fall into the category of legally protected confidential attorney-client communication. Unfortunately, the actual technical name for the team of experts who make this determination is a taint team. All right, taint team. This is an ill-defined and hairy area. Indeed. The specific part of the overall body we're dealing with can be very messy. The key is to filter out some of the parts of the overall body as belonging to the usable information, which we will put in this back. While assuring the privileged information remains unseen and thus stuffed into this deep, dark, dark hole. It's always difficult to navigate the subtle differences between the sack and the hole. But in all my years analyzing the entangled, matted messes, Giuliani's taint is the thorniest in the entire field of tainted taints. As of yet, we do not know what the search warrant that was executed against Rudy Giuliani will yield. In part because we don't know how the taint team will define the particular body, that makes up Giuliani's particular taint. I called this press conference at the Grand Plaza Garden Gnome and Lawn Art Emporium, located at the Grand Plaza Strip Mall in between a dildo store and an empty storefront that used to sell more expensive, lower quality dildos, because when a lie lies in the middle of two very different yet also very similar things, discerning the truth can be sticky, gross, gooey entanglement of sex and holes and taint. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Barely Audible Whisper, starring writer, co-host, and producer Dave Baldwin, co-host and actress Molly Baldwin, writer and actor Daniel Carter-Brown, actors Emily Sams-Brown, Ali Glonick, Robin Ward, Tommy Strack, and Joshy Newkirk. Please check out BarelyOutOfWhisper.com where you can uh, subscribe to us or you can subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast. We appreciate your support. Saxon holds and taint and Saxon holds and taint. In loving memory of Corey Burns. Hubris!